powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. It was not the game that we expected that we would get at the beginning of the game there. After the first period, it looked like this was going to be a low-scoring, high-event game with both teams trading chances. But at the end of the day, the Devils didn't trade chances in the last 40 minutes. They just took them all. And it's easy to look at this game and say, you know, everything went wrong for the Canadians in the last 40 minutes and they didn't play very well. And, you know, that whole Marty St. Louis play until the last moment of the game didn't really appear. But I feel like there's a lesson to take from this game, specifically because the Devils are so good. So we got a great show tonight. We're going to talk about the Devils. We're going to talk about the Canadians. We're going to talk about why the Devils are so good. Who was actually good. We're going to talk about hockey fashion with uh, the reverse retros making their debut tonight. But uh, we've got a great guest with Max Van Hood. And, uh, of course, you want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Football continues. Basketball's back and the hockey season's well underway. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets, like whether or not Cole Caulfield, who's a little cold right now, will hit 50 goals this year. Made for Canadians by Canadian Sports Interaction. It makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, I'm going to welcome in our guest for tonight. As you have so eloquently dubbed him, the coffee man. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew, if I had a buck for every coffee joke I heard in my life, I would be a millionaire, maybe in the list by the Ottawa Senators, but I'm doing good. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I, I feel like as much as this game was not as enjoyable to watch overall as the first period was, just watching it from the perspective of seeing what the Devils have built here and seeing how good they are, I saw a flash of the future a little bit, I think, because... This is where I want to start, because I want to start things off on a positive note, even though it was a loss. And, and for those joining us here, make sure, if you like this show, that you uh, share it with your friends. And heck, share it right now on, on Twitter. If you're a Devils fan and you want to talk some shit, get your buddies in here. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. I don't care. We'll have fun with you guys. I know Devils fans are spicy, because Adam Wilde talked shit about you before the season started, and every Game Over stream involving the Devils has been pretty spicy in the chat. Bring it on. And uh, Canadians fans, let's get it going. Share this show on your social media. Let's get as many people in here as possible. Because when it's a sad show, you get catharsis together. And when it's a fun show, you have fun together. So let's get it going. All right. But uh, I, I looked at the Devils and how aggressive they are uh, offensively, how solid they are defensively. Specifically, the thing that stuck out to me was sticks and lanes, aggressive positioning. And just yeah. as soon as they get the puck, it's like bang, bang, bang. There's passes through the middle all the time, guys in the right spots, and you could not make a mistake against this team without them capitalizing. And they made a lot of mistakes this game. And I feel like it's easy to say like the Canadians' puck management was terrible tonight, which it was, but I feel like the Devils forced that because they were so good at getting sticks in lanes. Yeah, I agree with you. There are a few things with the Devils. Um... There, of course, there are these teams that have superstars, right? You think of the Colorado Avalanche. You think of the Edmonton Oilers. If you go back a little further, of course, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The, the, 
Washington Capitals and Tampa Bay Lightning. But I feel like there has been um, like another uh, range of teams that do not have this like A-grade franchise borderline generational player and i did not mention the toronto maple leaf that was not I, that was not to take it this at the least i just forgot to be honest um but you know I, I mainly i think of the carolina hurricanes to me what rod brandamore did with the carolina hurricanes these past few years needs to be added to the template of what you want to replicate as a, a successful hockey teams because You can draft first overall and not get Connor McDavid. You can draft high many years and not necessarily get Leon Dreisaitl third overall or Mitch Marner third or fourth. Uh, fourth, I think he was drafted uh, Dreisaitl this year. Uh, not Dreisaitl, I'm sorry, uh, Marner. Um, but you have a, a good mix of quality and quantity. And I was curious to see the Devils tonight because I caught some glimpse, uh, glimpses of the Devils so far this year, but I am not um sat down and look at a full new jersey devil game this year and what we saw tonight i was really really impressed and the habs did not necessarily brought their a game tonight but sometimes you need to look at what they're facing and tonight they were facing a team that you said it uh at good forecheck uh you talked about the sticks lane in the, on defense that was great too and they have a lot uh it's used it's isher it's jesper brett They have a lot of players that are not necessarily the first name that comes to mind when you think of superstars. They are really, really good hockey players, and that makes a quality team. They, they're playing together. They're well coached by Lindy Ruff, and they're kind of where I thought the Ottawa Senators might be at the start of this season, and right now even further with that 10-game winning streak now. Yeah, I mean... Talk about destroying the narrative of the Ottawa Senators. The rebuild is over. I don't think the the New Jersey Devils were anywhere near as confident heading into this season. They didn't, you know, pronounce anything right, and they are night and day compared to last season. I know that like Jack Hughes took steps. Uh, Nico Heischer, I, I guess you could say he took steps, but he's been really good for a long time. It's just that he was never healthy, right? He, he always had something bothering him or yeah. missing games. So I, I read somewhere that. Hishier and Hughes had only played something like 11 games together last year or something like that. I don't know if that's, that's right, but yeah. it, it feels right compared to seeing how they play on the same team right now. Right. And it's just that one, two punch that is absolutely killer. And, you know, Jake Allen, I think did his absolute damnedest to keep this game within reach. And when you're stopping the first and second and third shot, and then there's a fourth shot to deal with, can't really be blamed on that one, but, the devils are an absolute wagon. Like they are so fast. And I love what you talked about with like the, qu the quantity and the quality, but it's just every player on that team seems to be on the same page. They're completely in sync in what they need to do to create goals. And it's those like little plays that create odd man rushes or like odd man situations deep in the zone that they're so good at executing. Everyone knows where the, their line mates are going to be, where they're going to go, and they have no hesitation going to the net. And if the yeah. Montreal Canadiens come out of this game and their takeaway is that's what St. Louis wants to build towards, every Montreal Canadiens fan should be very happy. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, and you talked about the, about Jake Allen tonight, uh, the fourth goal 
at me so <laughs> I was laughing poor I was like come on poor Jake Allen there's nothing more frustrating for a goalie you make the first save you make the second save slash just poke check on it and then you're like all right guys now it's your turn just get the puck out of here and it, the puck goes in the back of the net and you can actually see him looking at there are four players in front of him and you can see him like I'm sure he said nothing because Jake Allen seriously is one of the best guys around you can see it in his interviews and all that He's an appreciated guy. That's why he won the the Jean Beliveau Trophy, and uh, you can see that he's like, "Oh, come on, guys, really." So it yeah. was one of those nights that I would have been curious to see the scoreboard had it not been for Jake Allen tonight, because there were moments in the game where it was going really, really fast for the hand. Actually, I'm curious to hear about this, um, particularly about uh, in the second period. There was a small stretch before the third goal where it looked like maybe the Canadian were going to get back into it. And I don't know if you'll agree, it kind of looked like a basketball game. And I think it was the Devils pushing this. They are so fast on the, I guess what we could call a fast break offense in basketball. And for like a, a short stretch of four minutes, it was offense, offense, offense on both sides of the game. Almost like, like three on three. It was really cool to watch. Um, but clearly you could see by the result of the game that the Devils were pushing for that and that the halves on the other side were only uh, trying to hold on. But... A, a good bounce here or there, and maybe maybe it was a two, two, two. I think it was a Jake Evans on one point on the uh, unman rush that tried to get it back in front of the net, uh, didn't go in. So like they really, this is where to me the game shifted. So this small stretch of three minutes in the second period, but it was really interesting to see how the Devils uh, wanted to go out so quick and get the puck to uh, to the Habs net. Yeah, it, it was the I the whole first period I felt was like that, and there there was a stretch in the second as well. It's like at even strength, surprisingly, in terms of like expected goals, it was pretty close. The Canes did get some pushback and got some odd man rushes. Like they, especially, I feel like the Monahan line with uh, Dadnov and Anderson had some really good stretches. It wasn't until the third that the Devils were like, "All right, cut this crap. <laughs> we're we're holding this lead down," and the Canes couldn't really generate anything. But it, it was. I feel like the Canes came out of the gate in the first period, and they dictated play for the most part in that first period. And then the Devils kind of caught their breath and were like, you know what? I feel like we're a lot better than this team. It's one of those situations where, you know, if Nick Suzuki doesn't try to make that pass in the odd man rush that he had with Caulfield and he just wires it and scores or, you know, yeah. there's a couple different plays in the first period. How different is the game? But at the end of the day, I feel like the Devils were going to continue. They were like a train, right? Slow to get going. And then as it kept going, it was just like a locomotive. You're not going to stop it. There was just chance after chance. Every time they entered the zone was dangerous. And the way that they were able to capitalize on the Canadians' poor turnovers was, frankly, kind of rough. I do want to talk about, because we didn't get to talk about it last time, and you yeah. hyped people up that you wanted to talk about the Cooperalls. So let's talk about the reverse met retros for a second. But first, <laughs> before we do that, we got to tell everybody who's watching the show, hey, hit that like button. Help us out. We're slaves to the YouTube algorithm, unfortunately. That's how we grow this show. So when you like it, when you comment on it, everything, it helps us out. It tells people that you're involved with the show. And the fans are a part of the show. We interact on this channel. I see you Devils fans who are very, very happy with your team. You deserve every bit of happiness after, like, what, 10 years of misery? You gotta love it. I mean, Jack Hughes, absolutely incredible tonight. So drop us a like. Make sure that you uh, share this show on your social media, both now and after the show, of course. Make sure everybody can enjoy it. 
But yeah, okay, the reverse retros. The the baby blue Expos throwback. I don't love it. It looks okay on the ice, but I think I, I just don't want the Canadians to be blue. It doesn't feel like the Habs. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. How much time we got? Because you know, I love talking about sports action, so I can. And I know not everybody's into it. So if I get like, if I get too deep into it, it just tell me nerd alert. It's okay. But um, I have an issue with both Habs Reverse Retro, and it particularly showed with this one is that um, the devil is in the detail. Without any pun intended, with tonight's opponent for a qual- for for a really really quality uniform. Just look at the Washington Capitol reverse retro. And I don't know if you saw the post with all the details on the gloves. Like, they could have just said, hey, we're wearing black tonight, black gloves. No, they went all in on the small gold accent and blue accent and all of this. Whereas the hat just went like, yeah, we're wearing wearing blue. Yeah, sure. It kind of fit with our usual gloves and pants. No, it didn't. It looked bad. It looked like an AHL hockey team that doesn't have the budget for you know, uh, how do you call it? Is it called a girdle in English? Whether the, the thing you put over your uh, your pants? Uh, I think that's how yeah, you call you it. Yeah, you can use girdle. We call it again in French. Yeah, okay. So uh, just put on a girdle that switches the red stripe for a baby blue stripe and just get the guys a damn pair of gloves that switch the red for baby blue. And already you go in my book from a C plus to a B plus, and that would be cool. Because I, I respect the fact that the Habs is the Habs. And they do not want to go too far with those kind of experiment. I can respect that, even though like, you can see my hat. I'm a big fan of uh, super crazy branding in sports if it fits the team. But it's okay it doesn't fit the Habs. So they're just modifying their classic uniform. No problem with it. But it, it, looked like, it looked like the Dallas Cowboys. Have you ever realized how the gray on the helmet, the gray on the pants, the blue on the shirt, nothing fits? My my, uh, I don't know how you say it in English, but my tuck didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Oh man! And when you don't look good, you don't feel good. And when you don't feel good, you don't play good. Yeah, yeah. I rented about it. it. It's not it's not the best. I feel like the fact like the, because they don't mess with it a lot, it's lazy. It's just a color swap, but it just forever remains like mid. Like it doesn't get into disastrous territory. But yeah. like you said, they're not they're not committing to exactly. the to the thing, so it will never ascend. Or it's like teams that actually tried to do cool stuff, like uh, the last set of reverse retros, the LA Kings jersey is the best jersey they've ever had, like by far to me. Like the bringing in the purple and gold and bringing in the '90s like uh, weird Chevy logo almost. It was so cool looking. I don't think the Canadians are capable <laughs> of doing that because they're so you know traditional but i will give them one credit at least they didn't do the stupid thing that a lot of teams did and do like a diagonal word thing on the jersey and have like or like oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the sends just put sends on there can you imagine a jersey that just says habs no. <laughs> it would be awful no. so no, at no, least there's to, that please. well we should also talk about the cooperalls no. cuz i know that but, you, uh, uh, you you wanted the flyers to bring in the cooperalls yeah, I know it's uh, illegal uh, to put the Cooper all. There's something about the fact. I think uh, the, the eyes froze on the pants, and they, it's literally illegal. But honestly, like this to me, you know, like um, nostalgia 
uh, is it sells. It's all cool. Hundred uh, percent. But like when I watch it, it, I'm a bit young for Cooper Alt, to be honest. The Cooper Alt craze was in the '80s. I was born in '91. My dad had a pair of Cooper Alt when I was really, really young. But I don't. It didn't mark my imaginary as much as maybe uh, people who are in their early 40s. So for me, when I saw it, it they wore it in the warm up, right? Um, like honestly, my reaction was like, "Yo, the nostalgia is so awesome. It's so freaking ugly, but it's awesome." But I think some people actually really like it. I, I really think it's ugly, but it's like I don't know. It's like listening to Limp Biscuit in 2022. It's purely nostalgia. I think it didn't age well at all. Like chocolate starfish, hell no. But uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I thought it was it was awesome in the so bad it's good way. I yeah. guess that's how I would say it. Yeah, I feel like Cooperalls just make me think everybody looks like a ref. Ah, uh, that's a good point. That's a very valid point. My girlfriend loves Cooperall when I showed it to her. <laughs> I couldn't believe this because my girlfriend says that hockey uniforms are the worst sports uniform possible because she sees little shorts. She says uh, the <laughs> hockey players look like Boy Scouts wearing long socks with small shorts and i'm like the hell are you talking about and when i showed her the cooper i was like yeah yeah that that's great do that that's beautiful and i was like oh oh my god you gotta be kidding <laughs> i feel like the the worst this is just my opinion i know people will dog on like soccer for having the advertisements but i absolutely hate football jerseys with just the number on the front all right like, when when dallas did that for like the stars did that for their jersey i thought it was the worst jersey yeah. like ever created it was so ugly and boring yeah. but hockey i i am nostalgic for like the early 90s stuff like the skate jersey in vancouver so that's what i'm biased towards the original anaheim Ducks. i have one of those those are great all right uh talking about this game obviously uh our boy evgeny dadanov finally got off the schneid. He was another guy who I thought had a really good first period and got rewarded for it in the second on a nice lucky bounce. But uh, we talked about him last time you were on Max and I thought he was starting to yeah. put things together. You disagreed. Yeah. I feel like he's getting a little bit better again now, but the limited expectations. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I do this thing on my radio show on BPM Sports every um, day after a game. So people call in and they give me their first star of the game. I give the Hold My Beer Award, which is basically the Jacques Beauchamp. Somebody who, you know, is not Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki, but did something great. And there is, uh, I don't know if you have the same uh, saying in English, but in French, you know, when somebody is so bad, you say, to the showers, au douche. <laughs> so uh, you send the guy, you think he should go straight to the showers. And so far, that was game 16, I think, tonight. Uh, maybe, yeah, 16, I think, 19, uh, yep. whatever. Uh, so far, uh, almost, not every game, but almost every game, it's been a mixture of Mike Hoffman <laughs> and Evgeny <laughs> Dadanov to the shower to the point where it, it has become a running joke. So Mike Hoffman got out of the showers these past few games, actually been chilling in the locker room with the rest of the guy. So now uh, my mention, mentions were flooded during the game when uh, Dadanov scored. Everybody were like, oh, my God, uh, Yevgeny Dadanov got out of the shower. But uh, that would be for him because, you know, I'm joking about Dadanov saying that uh, I don't really like his contribution so far this year. And, I mean, for a guy who is an offensive player um, who has a stat line before the game of 0-0-0, I mean, what is there like? I'm not the type yeah. of guy who's going to go, especially for uh, a veteran, like, 
for a young kid, fine, sure. I'm all good for looking at the expected goals for the Corsi and the progression. But for a guy in that enough place, don't get me started with, yeah, well, actually, he's not that bad. In... No, 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 no. He, he has zero points. That's what he's for. Um, so I, I can only be happy if he does bring something to the game because the more Hoffman, the more Dadanov, the more Drew, even Armia will produce, the more complicated it will be for St. Louis to get someone out of the lineup, will create yep. a, um, a sane competition, and maybe in the end get those guys traded for some valuable assets. So I'm glad that if this goal in the wide open net, but I'm not going to diss on that. He was at the right place at the right time. That's exactly where you want him to be. If this is the thing that gets him to a decent points production, well, I, I will be happy uh, about that. But it was about damn time. <laughs> yeah, it was. And frankly, it's the exact same thing that Hyman, or not Hyman, not Hyman. I don't know why I'm thinking about the Oilers, that Hoffman did, right? When he finally burst his Hyman. goal streak, he went to the front of the net, picked up a Gallagher rebound, and then he did it again later in the game. So it's that kind of attitude going to the right spot and and finishing. That's kind of what can get you out of a goal slump. And hopefully, you know, Dedanov starts bringing it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, continuing to go to the net, I thought that he made some good plays tonight. Uh, aside from his goal, especially in the first period, I think everybody kind of looked like crap after the first period. So I don't want to judge anyone super harshly. Uh, as a team, they just were not great. <laughs> you know, we can pick on Cole Caulfield. We can pick on Brendan Gallagher for the turnovers. I know Cole Cole's uh, turnover that ended up in a goal got called back on the offside, but still a bad play. Uh, Gallagher for the fourth goal. Just horrible puck management, but I don't know if he realized there was nobody behind him. But uh, a lot of that tonight. So I, I, I will commend Marty St. Louis for like, I know that there's a lot of fan frustration towards guys like Hoffman and Dodonov and, you know, continuing to get opportunities while Slavkovsky sits on the fourth line. Yeah. But I, I think that as much as Marty St. Louis is coaching for developing the young kids, he's also coaching for getting these veteran guys going and putting them in positions where they can succeed if they go to the right spots and basically telling them like it's going to be on you if you fail right like if this is all Dodonov can bring for the next like stretch of games he's going to be out of the lineup and maybe the Canadians end up waving him or or something like that or do like a a buyout that ends up with him back in Russia where it's like a mutually exclusive or mutually uh, beneficial situation but continuing to give those guys chances while it can be frustrating when they're not producing, I think we've seen in a small sample with Hoffman just how, how much he's smiling on the ice the last few games and things going well yeah. for him, that it can benefit. And if they can get Hoffman to score at a 25-plus goal pace, Dodonov to score at like around a 45 to 50 point pace, they can move those guys, I think, come deadline. If they retain money on Hoffman, especially, I feel like they yeah. can move him. So I understand that from St. Louis. But then again, after watching Slaff in the third period there, where everyone was kind of tentative and trying to find the right play, and he just started ripping it on net and almost scored, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to just let him have some more ice time. <laughs> Yeah, and he's probably going to get it because uh, I don't know if you saw this. It just came out three minutes ago, but uh, Drouin is out for four to five weeks. So yeah. uh, that's a tough break for that. Uh, four to six weeks. Oh, yeah. Injury yeah, suffered uh, against Vegas. Uh, such a tough break for Drouin, really, because... He just started know, getting it going, like, too. 
Yeah, story of his life, right? Yeah, story of his life for Joe DeWine. Um, I'm a, I've for the longest of times until late last season. Like, so there was this uh, this sketch a few years ago on a popular uh, Quebec show called Like Moi uh, that went Je choisis Jonathan. It was a hilarious sketch, by the way, with uh, Adil Alcalde among among others. And um, so it, this has been a meme for me, like throughout the last three, four season, whenever. Like I was always Joshua Jonathan. I believed in the guy. I really did believe in the guy. He just needed a break in this. But it has become the story of his life, and I feel really bad for him. I mean, at this point in his career, it is obvious that Jonathan Dewan will never be the player expected of him when he was drafted third yeah. overall. But um, I still believe that in the right situation, because one of my main uh, driving factor for or comparative for Jonathan Drouin were players like Max Pacioretty and Phil Kessel, who, when they were put on the spotlight as the the forward who need to be the guy on the team and in the two biggest market in hockey, Toronto and Montreal, uh, they weren't bad at it. But you could see that was not in their DNAs. When Max Pacioretty went to Vegas, fish in a tank. When uh, Phil Kessel went to Pittsburgh, do I even have to uh, talk about it? Uh, I always felt like maybe this is it for the wine. Maybe he's that type of player that if he is even be, be behind a few other players, he's going to succeed. Um, I was a bit disappointed so far this year because I was like, all right, now you have Caulfield and Suzuki who have all the attention in the world. You have Kirby Doc. Um, and it did not show. I, I felt like he showed, uh, I don't want to say disinterested. I don't, is that a word in English? Uh, like, but, yeah, yeah, disinterested. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Things were not clicking for him so far this year. And uh, another injury. Uh, oh, man. And I can just already see the comments of people coming in, calling him soft or whatever. But, you know, in, being injury plagued is being injury plagued. It's, it's bad for him, but hopefully guys like Hoffman and that enough uh, see the day. Yeah, it's, it's tough for Duran. I feel like he's a guy that, like, on a personal level, I, I, I really like him. He seemed like a guy whose first thing that he did once signing that contract when he was traded to Montreal was to set up a fund for the the children's hospital uh, on the French side there. Like just his motivations were in the right spot. I feel like especially those first few years, as much as people question things like I question him defensively, he's not a very good defensive player, but I feel like the effort was always there. His instincts were just not great especially when they were pushing him to be a center, you know, like that was not a good idea. I feel like that just kind of put the expectations way too high for him to ever live up to. And that's at the fault of Bergevin. I think when he introduced Drouin and the way that he did it, it made it seem like he was going to be like the next superstar of the team. You're trading a guy that you drafted eighth overall who might've been, you know, better than eighth overall and Mikhail Sergachev. It, it doesn't look good, but I think people forget also last season, when everybody was brutal at the start of the year with Ducharme, Duran was, was actually good. playing fantastic hockey. And then, like now, yeah. he got hurt. Right? It's just such a brutal group of circumstances for him where, you know, maybe last year if he stays healthy, people start to accept it. Like, yeah, he's not going to be great defensively, but he puts up, you know, around a 50-point pace every year. He's a good complementary winger. He does his job. But it's just this constant trying to recover from being injured. And I know he insisted that his uh, wrist was okay, but he still doesn't seem confident with his shot yeah. anymore. And yeah, it just seems like it's not going to happen for him. 
Yeah. It's never been the same since the OVs hit. No. Actually. Never been the same. And this year, this is why, like, he was doing great, but not great. I'm sorry. He was doing okay on the power play in the position that is really difficult for him. I mean, we all remember to play at the blue line a few mm-hmm. games ago. I think it was the night that I was here with you that played at the blue line. Um, so he was finding a certain niche uh, that obviously is not the niche we expected out of him. But, you know, there has been comparison, and rightfully so, with Alex Galchenyuk for so long with Drouin. And I always felt like hey, Galchenyuk had zero hockey sense. Like, it's crazy. Zero hockey sense for Alex Galchenyuk. I always felt like Drouin at least had, had it, you know, had the possibility to at least be a decent um Offensive contributor in a smaller role for a hockey team. There are guys like this. I mean, there are guys who make a career out of this, out of being a 50-point player on a decent to bad hockey team. You need those type of players in the league. Uh, I felt like Drouin was going to be that type of guy. And now on a contract here, I'm starting to think, oh, man, it's starting to smell almost like a PTO next year for him or something like this. But hopefully uh, when he gets back, he's going to be able to find his groove. But also this is the part that worries me is that so far in his career, coming back from injury has always been a problem for the one. You talked about the start of the season last year. Every time he has an injury, he seems like the type of guy, you were talking about a train earlier, about how you need to put on the train on the rail. Uh, Drouin seems like that type of the player. He never goes and starts right away. He's more like Bowser in Mario Kart. You know, he's not like one of those small ghosts fast right from the start. He needs to build it up. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to build his confidence. You know, and I, I feel yeah. like that's one of those things where it's good that you have a coach like Marty St. Louis. He's going to, who's going to try to build his confidence, but at a certain point, you know, yeah. Druin's going to have to grab the bull by the horns as well. And if he's going to get back into being a productive player, he has to find a way to, to produce those points, just like the Donov, just like Hoffman, you know, to a lesser extent, just like Armia, we want to see more, you know, put your head down and go forward. Right. And, you know, that kind of brings me to another guy that I wanted to bring up tonight is uh, where's the Jake Evans of last season. I, I'm surprised by how little he's brought uh-huh. to the table this year. I feel like playing with Slavkovsky, yeah. he should be contributing a little bit more. I don't think he's been necessarily like really horrible, but the offense hasn't really come at all, and I don't know if he's been that great defensively either. Uh, it's interesting because uh, I had him in my notes because I agree with you 100% for the start of this season, but I... He was actually one of the players I had in my positive tonight. Yeah, tonight I yeah, saw I him right. more. Yeah, I saw him more. I felt like uh, he skated well, you know. Uh, he, he has decent speed. Uh, I felt like he was creating, st- uh, creating stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I wouldn't actually uh, – I, I have been on board with the idea of putting Slavkovsky on the wing of Sean Monaghan. Uh, because things are going so great on the first line. I do not believe that it's putting too much pressure on Slavkovsky to put him with Monaghan. I think he could learn. But one of the reasons I found myself in this uh, train thought these past few games is because it's not been working with Evans. I felt at the start of the year that actually having Slavkovsky with Evans, you know what? Evans is not your... Uh, your average fourth line grinder who's just there to bring energy. No, he has decent skills. He has really decent skills. And I thought it could be a great uh, start for Slavkovsky, but I agree with you that um, 
I don't know, maybe him too, the injuries, did it take a toll? I don't think so. I thought he, he came back from the Shifley injury last year pretty decently. So uh, I agree with you. Is it just a case of uh, finding his groove, his finding mm-hmm. his place in this uh, offensive scheme? Uh, yeah, maybe. Because, you know, right now all the, the spotlight and the love of everything is so much on the top of the Ford's lineup with the, the young core and all of those guys. Um, I would have felt that it could be a great situation for Jake Evans, but I agree with you that right now, uh, I think he played 13 minutes tonight. He took two shots on goal. So like I said, tonight I liked him. That is actually the Jake Evans I want to see tonight. You know, he created yeah. a few things. Uh, he brought speed to the game, and we have not seen this enough this year. No, we really haven't. Um, there's a couple comments here. Uh, Adam Firebear says, I really wanted Drew to triumph. I think we all did. I mean, people who watch this show yeah. anyway. I know that he has a share of haters, but... Uh, I don't think either yes. Max or I were ever <laughs> among them. Like, I think uh, I want everybody on the team to succeed just because it's more entertaining, right? Like, obviously, I think Drew and personally, it, we're lovers, done a lot. Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> we're lovers, not fighters. Yeah. Uh, I thought there somebody was saying that now that Drew is injured, uh, they don't have to move or they don't have to lose a defenseman to make room for Matheson. I mean, the army is also injured, right? So they're gonna have to. F- find yeah. another forward. I don't think they want to play seven defensemen a game. It's not to uh, Guy Carbono behind the bench right now where he would play Dandino and Strite on as forwards on the on the fourth line there. Respect to Mark Strite, my man. Uh, Mark Strite was great. You know what? Dandino also does not get enough respect for how good of a Montreal Canadian he was. That guy was a fantastic skater and surprisingly a decent forward even though he was a defenseman his whole career. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Dandano was a great player. Um, I will say, tonight I thought that Marty St. Louis was trying to test Jacques a bit, and a rough test to throw him out there a lot against the hottest team in the league. But the last few games have convinced me that uh, Jacques is going to go down to Laval when uh, Matheson comes back. I think his defensive play is struggling a little bit, and... I think they want him to work on some things. I think putting him on the power play also is a hint that they think that he can do more. And if they think he can elevate past what he's bringing like as a third-pair defenseman, I think it might actually benefit him to play some time in Laval and play some big minutes. I, You know, they're not going to send down Kovacevic. Uh, they That's said right. that he was just told to get an apartment. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to lose him on waivers. I don't think Harris is going anywhere. don't think Gooley's going anywhere. And it makes no sense to possibly lose Weidman on waivers when you don't have to, right? So I think the big man could be down in Laval for a bit. I, you know what? It's a really, really interesting take. I, I think it's Weidman. I think they're going to ramp up like Chris Weidman, to be honest with you. Um, it would be bold, the kind of Laval. I would not personally be against it, honestly, really not. Um, but the, the, it's a combination of what he has brought to the table, the fact that he is already a fan favorite. That being said, I never want to take that into account at any point in any decision-making. But, you know, this is Montreal, so it could happen. Uh, but to me, the, the thing I, I'm curious to hear you about is the power play, because, you know what, I have a ton of respect for Martin St. Louis. And uh, I said St. Louis, what the heck? Uh, Martin St. Louis. <laughs> I'm not the yeah exactly I, I, I'm not the, the biggest guy to second guess coaches but with that being said I'm still trying to understand what the heck is Arbor Jekai on the power play especially when 
You have Caden Gooley. You did get 10 seconds of power play tonight for what it's worth. And Jordan Harris, who in my head, both, when I think long-term, could be option wave one, option wave two on power plays in the NHL. So why are they not the one getting those uh, those views on the power plays? I know Jakai, I guess, has a decent shot, but I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what is this decision. I'm not sure. I, I orig- like Earlier in the season, I was thinking that it might have been the case that they were riding those guys so much at even strength on the pen and the penalty kill that they felt like it would be like too much to put them on the power play. And, you know, like the, the gap between them and Jack Eye offensively is not big enough to like justify giving them extra minutes and maybe losing out in other areas. But I wonder if it is as simple as Jack Eye has a pretty good shot. And he actually made some decent plays tonight as well. Like, deked out some guys at the blue line, making some risky plays. But I feel like Harris is the guy that they have yeah. to make <laughs> some, some, some tries to on that power play because yeah. he's got that shifty quality. And Gooley has been getting more and more confident with the puck in the offensive zone. There's a few times tonight where he made some... Power forward Gooley! Yeah, like, it makes sense to get them going. And, like, I look at... Uh, Jackai and Edmondson so far, and I don't know if it's working. Jackai actually led all the Canadians in even strength ice time tonight, which is pretty wild. And while he was on the ice, wow. and it- they were out chance thirteen to four, which is not great. High danger chances yeah. five to one. Yeah, you put that up against like Harris and Kovacevic, who the Canadians actually out chance the Devils twelve nine. High danger chances five three. I know they're the third pair, but when they're getting played like the first pair, you got to be a little bit better than that, I think. And he also, the, the penalties. The penalties is an issue. He's got to learn that he doesn't have to prove himself every game, I think. Like, if you're going to do something like muck it up after a scrum or like after the whistle where they're not going to call penalties, it, constantly trying to be like the intimidating guy, I think, has a drawback. Yeah. When, refs know your name now and they know that if you're going to fight somebody, you're going to hurt somebody. So I think oftentimes when he creates those situations, they're like, you know, you're off, just go to the box. And that puts yeah. the team in a tough spot. Yeah. So two things about what you said. First, I'm glad with the numbers you gave, uh, it matched my eye test. So uh, for those who are big eye test people, uh, that was exactly what I was going to bring. I felt like Jack I tonight I had a game that was a bit rougher for him. Um, and well, part of the reason, and you've talked about penalties, Jakar right now is like, you know, that, that kid in the middle school who is just starting to find out that everybody thinks he's funny. Every girl kind of find him cute. He's the first crush of every little girl or a little boy, uh, in the classroom. And so he's kind of, he wanted to live, he wants to live up to that. And suddenly he starts getting detention for not doing anything bad, but just, you know, teachers actually do think he's funny, but they're just Arbor, get the heck out of the class. You're, you're clowning. You're clowning. I feel like he's clowning right now. He's getting out of position for those things that you talked about. He's getting out of position to try and make the big hit. He's trying to make the, the getting out of position uh, to make a play that is not the safest play to do. And he is at the stage of his career where all he needs to think about is making the safe play. That's all we want you to do, Arbor. Do the safe play. Give the big hit when you have to give the big hit and don't take stupid penalties. But right now, I think it's uh, 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 Stefan Robida has a lot of job to do to get him and say, hey, Arbor, like, we love you. You, you. You're not going anywhere. You're go- getting your minutes. Stop 
uh, in French, we say jouer les matuvus, you know, like uh, trying to be, look at me, look at me, uh, I guess would be uh, some kind of decent translation of it. Like, stop trying and make us look at you. We're looking at you. Just play your game, man. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you at this point. I love that analogy. It's so it's so perfect. The, fu- the kid who just finds out he's funny. That is so, so perfectly Arbor Jackai right now. And, you know, I, I love that he has that attitude of he, he mentioned in a quote earlier this week, I think that he sees every game as a tryout to like continue staying with the team and he doesn't take anything for granted. And I love that attitude, but with that comes the trying to do too much. And sometimes you have to just keep it simple and it's, it's a learning process. And I think for people who love Arbor Jackai, you know, I, I feel like we're, you know, among them, he's, obviously brought an element to this team that we haven't seen in a very long time. He has the ability to transform uh, how other teams play against the Canadians, right? Just by his physical presence. It reminds me of like when Milan Lucic first broke in with the Bruins, right? But at the same time, he does need to work on some things like his stick positioning when he's on the back check or not going out of his way to make a big hit. And even if he does go to Laval, I always almost say Hamilton. I'm so stuck on like when they used to be the Hamilton Bulldogs. <laughs> That's even two if ago. He, I know, <laughs> it was a long down. time ago. Uh, even if he does go down to Laval, I think the message to him is going to be, you're not going to be there for long. You're going to be a Montreal Canadian again this season. And uh, there's going to be veterans that are moved out here at some point. I feel like yeah. Edmondson, I know he's an assistant captain, is uh, not long for the Montreal Canadiens. Just as soon as Matheson gets back, they just too many guys mm-hmm. yeah no i i'm not against the idea of sending him to laval anyways i think that this is one of the smartest business decisions this team has done in the past 10 years to bring the the team to laval and have them so close and have the possibility of just buying cartopus to everyone and get that metro that subway ride uh up to laval back to bell center quickly uh so i'm definitely not against it for uh for arbor jakai um but there is one thing that bothers me, though, uh, about tonight's game. Uh, is it me or the second period is killer for the Habs so far? Oh, like, what, a what lot. is going on in the second period? I, it seems like a pattern so far. It does. I, do they struggle with the long change, maybe? that They're just, like, giving it so hard that they don't have the energy to make a long change. Like, that extra 10 feet is too much for them? I don't know. But it does, it does seem like they lose focus in the second period an awful lot. I know that's the period they've been outscored in the most. I I wonder how much of that is, you know, they have scored early a lot and they kind of like when you're playing with the lead, things can turn on you, Uh, you know, and maybe they're not coming out of the gate ready. They're thinking they're just going to light it up and young, inexperienced team. But I feel like the second period was a problem last year as well. I I feel, although every period was a problem most of last year. A valid point, but I I don't know if because uh, you know I'm also a, a big football guy and I don't know if this applies as much to hockey. But I was wondering this watching the game tonight, and you know how some coaches, especially uh, coordinators, whether it's offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators, are so good at adjustment. Um, I have a, a blood the the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator, a master of adjustment. The Bengals come out in the third quarter and look at the stats, the amounts of point and yardage they give is so much less than the rest of the quarter. So I was wondering, is maybe the young uh, Habs coaching group 
Is it something that they might have to learn? Do the other teams come out and go, okay, they're playing like this. They adjust this win the second period. It works. It takes time for St. Louis and his coaches to go, oh, they have changed this and try to apply it. And then they get back in the third. I don't know. Just food for thought. But it'd be also the coaching in experiment uh, starting to get in. Because uh, you see, I don't know if you saw the viral clip of Tortorella tonight simply saying, we suck when asked a question on live TV during the game. And uh, at that point, I think it was uh, the Flyers were trailing uh, two to nothing. And like quickly like that, they were back two to two, you know. And like, I'm not the biggest towards guy in the world. But he is a veteran coach who actually probably is pretty damn good at behind the bench to bring adjustment. I know Michel Terry was a master of behind the bench adjustment, whether it's just shifting your lines throughout a game. I don't know if you remember that during the Terry era. Like, line you would see changes yeah. during a game and you would be like, oh, we have new lines. And you'd be like, oh, no, okay, no. It was just because he had a feeling that this guy was going to cause three goals if you put him on the first line. It happened, won't happen again. So I don't know. Uh, just food for thought, like I said, maybe the, the inexperiment. Uh, uh, an experimented coaching staff. Maybe it plays into that, but it's just a suggestion. No, I think it's a very astute observation because not only is St. Louis, for lack of, I mean, I know he coached half of last year, but he's essentially a rookie coach. You know, Stefan Robida is essentially a rookie coach as well. Alex Burrows has been around for a little bit more than a, a year, I guess, a, a year and a bit. So there's not a yeah. ton of experience behind that bench. And that's something that I brought up I did uh, the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich earlier today, and I was talking about, you know, when the Canadians trans transition from being a rebuilding team into a competitive team. I wonder if these are going to be the assistants that come along with Marty St. Louis. Cause I assume he's going to be there because at a certain point you may want a little bit more experience. And I feel like St. Louis yeah. is like, he, I'm not saying that he's not an X, X's and O's guy, but usually your head coach is like you're the motivator, right? He's the guy that does the pregame speeches. He'll talk to you guys one-on-one -on -one and he'll go through the videos and everything. But the strategy on like the penalty kill on the power play, the, the offensive scheme set plays is usually the assistant coaches. And what we've seen so far from the power play, Burroughs hasn't been that successful. And the PK, it looks successful on the surface, but... That's mostly due to goaltending. Like, they're just mad scramble. I will say one thing the team is very good at is when they're doing the mad scramble, they fight really hard in front of the net on the PK. They do. But yeah, they do. you don't want to get into the mad scramble all the time. No, no, especially with Bocher goalies. Um, I will politely say not expert at controlling rebounds. Yes. You know, like the one, well, the one. The main, among the many things that made Carey Price Carey Price, I'll say it like this, one of the things is Carey Price was the master of rebound control and staying square after a rebound, whereas I love Jake Allen and uh, Montembeau's play so far this year, but it's basically a trampoline out there. And, I mean, yeah. it's okay. Like, uh, it's totally okay. But, yeah, uh, you're right about the about the scrambling in front of the net. I have observed that, too, about how sometimes when all hell break loose, at least – there is some form of organized chaos, I guess, is the way I would formulate it. But, uh, yeah, definitely is uh, something to look at, the the, uh, the on-ice adjustments. Yeah, they, they, they fight hard, and that's basically what we, want, we all want to see in a, in a rebuilding team. But it hasn't been uh, the perfect situation yet. Uh, all right, uh, we'll probably close it out there. I don't think there's too much more to talk about with that game. Uh, once again, Jake Allen... Fantastic, but it won't show up in the numbers for yeah. him. the poor guy. Yeah. But uh, overall, a great lesson taught 
by the New Jersey Devils, I think, tonight. Uh, thanks, Max, for joining me here for Game Over Montreal. Thanks, everyone, for coming along with this. Uh, it's it's tough to get people to come in and talk about a loss, right? I feel like with Maple Leafs, everybody wants to commiserate after a loss because they're just a miserable fan base. <laughs> How's fans want to celebrate stuff? <laughs> Right, so we do much better numbers after a win than a loss. But for those who came, our our uh, our oh, most loyal listeners, like Noel, like Kay, like Daffy Prod, who I believe is uh, in Europe, uh, Thomas, Sarah Y, Trizak, all of you, thank you so much for joining us after a loss. Oh, three point night for Sean Farrell. Sarah Y says, yeah, another good prospect for the Montreal Canadiens, worth looking into. And thanks especially to Max for joining us. Before we close things out, Max, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Max Vanut, and uh, you can, uh, if you live in Montreal, you can catch me and you speak French, of course. Uh, even if you don't, even if you don't, it's a great way to learn. Uh, catch me at BPM Sports. It's on the frequency ninety-one dot nine. So BPM Sports is Montreal's French radio uh, sports talk uh, station. So uh, yeah, catch me there, and be sure to uh, subscribe to Andrews channel and do the uh, sdpn perfect all right thanks everybody again smash the like button as uh, max said subscribe and i will say uh noel before we close out said there are many great game over guests and i think the coffee man max van hoot just made it into the platinum circle everybody loves you max so we're gonna have to book you on a ton more this season i love you too that'll be my pleasure (laughs) all right everybody We'll see you next. Actually, I won't see you on Thursday. It'll be Mark Dumont uh, hosting the show for the first time on his own. I will see you on Saturday. See you then. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.